0: The Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO Podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to the C4SO Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternkey, and today we're focusing On another one of the questions from Bishop Todd's Remissioned Church Initiative for 2022. In 2022, our mission field has changed from just a few years ago and seems like it's going to continue to change with the landscape of COVID and politics, sexuality and gender norms, social justice issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What does it look like to pursue faithful, effective, contextualized kingdom ministry in our day and age. So we're asking, during this series, uh, C4SO leaders, how they are returning to the basics in 2022 Exegeting their mission fields, raising up leaders, engaging their communities in conversations about faith, and more. A few weeks ago, uh, we talked with the Very Reverend Gare Jones, lead pastor of Vintage Church in LA and C4SO's regional dean of the Southwest, about how their mission field has changed in the last two years and how they're resetting ministry priorities and practices to address that change. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go back into the archives and Take a listen, and uh, today we have a new question that we're going to be addressing, and two new guests to address it. So joining us today are the very Reverend Patrick Wildman, Senior Pastor of Christ Church Anglican in Overland Park, Kansas. Patrick also chairs the Finance Committee of our Diocese and is the Regional Dean of the Midwest. Also joining us is the Reverend Beth Dixon, a Deacon and Director of Life Groups at Christ Church. Beth and Patrick, welcome to the C4SO podcast.
2: Thanks, Ben. It's good to be here. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, it's good to be with you.
1: Uh, is there anything else that we should know about uh, you all before we dive in? Any little, any little personal tidbit or anything like that you want to share?
2: <laughs> I love to fish. Mm. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with fishing.
1: Obsessed? Is this a new thing or has this no. been
2: a longstanding no, habit? no. Lifelong. Lifelong habit. I'm oh, always right. thinking about fishing, even right now. <laughs> even right now? Yes. <laughs> when I'm, I'm, not thinking talking, I'm thinking fishing about fishing for people, Ben. <laughs> oh, I yeah. see what you did there. I yeah. see what you did there. Little Jesus
1: juke. Yeah. I see. Uh, anyway. That's funny. Uh, all right. Well, and Beth, anything from you? Anything you'd I, like I, to know about? I you? can't
0: think of anything as good as you know what Patrick just said, of course. Right, so.
3: right. Okay, yeah. well.
2: Right. She's a quilter. Um, Look behind I, her. Yeah. A quilter? I am a quilter, yeah. Yeah. A little
0: modern quilting.
1: Modern quilting. I like that. Well, um, now I know what you guys will be thinking about uh, when when the other person's sharing. Fishing and modern (laughs) (laughs) quilting. All right. Well, uh, here is the question that we're going to be thinking about today. Um, The question from Bishop Todd is, how are you leading your church to engage in conversations about faith? Um, I know that for Christchurch, Alpha is a significant part of the answer to that question. And so, for listeners who may not be familiar, maybe we could start with this question. What is Alpha?
0: Right. Well, Alpha, there are a lot of ways to describe it, but the easiest way to say Mm -hmm. is that it's really a series of conversations. They're based around Mm -hmm. dinner. Uh, It's... I like to think of it as a series of dinner parties where the conversations are great because the conversations are around the big questions that everybody has. They're about life, about spirituality, about faith. It's Mm -hmm. from a Christian lens, but it's a relaxed setting. You know, Alpha was started in um, England in probably in the 80s, but really became what it is today in the mid 90s a little Mm -hmm. church called Holy Trinity Brompton and that it's spread really all over the world since then.
1: Okay. Yeah, I like that—a series of conversations—and this is something that you don't have to come up with yourself. It's a, it's a, it's a program. It's a curriculum, right? That you can, you Correct. know, just yes. bring in. And yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when did when did Christchurch starting started offering Alpha? Um, and what was it like to get started? Um, kind of participating mm-hmm. in this uh, in this program? You know, were people excited about it? Were they nervous about it? Did with it was there any pushback about it? Or I'm just wondering yeah. what the experience was like to get started.
2: So that's a. That's a somewhat difficult question for either Beth or I to answer because neither of us were here. We, okay,
3: wow. Christ Christchurch
2: so Christ has been running Alpha uh, as long or longer than any church in the U.S. Really? So we wow. we got in on it at the very, very beginning. Um, hm. In fact, my predecessor and a team went to London to meet with Nikki and uh, this was in the probably 95 or 96. Beth and I don't okay. know exactly when, but uh, we started the course in 1997 and we've been yep. running okay. it ever since. Uh, oh. Now, what we know from history is that, and, and there still are people who were he, who are here, a, a decent number of people actually, who were on the very first Alpha course in the fall of 1997. So really? we wow. know from their stories that it was generally well-received Of course, nothing Mm -hmm. is ever unanimously embraced. But generally (laughs) Mm -hmm. speaking, it was uh, well-received. The first course was very large. um, And there was Mm. significant life change, some significant (laughs) conversions um, that really um, helped Alpha gain really significant momentum. um, Hmm. Because these, these were stories that really kind of shaped the life of the community,
3: hmm.
2: seeing, seeing people's come to faith and, and, and lives really transformed.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: wow. Yeah. yeah. And in history, the beginning,
0: though. yeah, in the beginning, it was mostly uh, folks who were already attending Christ Church, who might have okay. thought they already had faith, but they came and had this amazing experience of going deeper of, mm-hmm. you know, sort of their faith coming alive and yeah. then, as uh, the years went on, then people started inviting folks outside the church
3: yeah. more and more.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's an interesting aspect of it, right? That there is a sense in which you know a lot of faith is you know maybe more caught than taught. You know, you know, we we use that language sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are some ways of being socialized into faith that are good and helpful. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you miss some of these overtly. Um, I don't know. Uh, what the word is, but, you know, doctrinal or whatever the case may be, like you miss some of the content of the faith if you come of come into the church in that way. And so that's an interesting, it almost functions as catechesis or did initially for you guys as well. It sounds like, like a ninja, like kind of training Christians and what it means to have faith, you know, the, at least the content of the Christian faith. Yeah. hmm
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We see people all the time who hmm. have never had a chance to ask questions about what they believe mm. or, or, or never been encouraged to really think deeply about what they believe, yeah. you know, yeah. from childhood. Yeah. And so, they come and this invitation to explore their questions is radical. Yeah,
3: and, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah they've just been yeah. expected to accept, yeah. you know, what they've been taught. And mm-hmm and especially people in older generations you know that yeah, to question yeah. in their minds a lot of them uh, we've we've found that you know it's almost an, it's almost an act of disrespect but mm. but right. they still yeah. have those questions right they right. still right.
1: do right. they just don't want to they don't want to offend and so they yeah,
2: yeah and so i think alpha has even for lifelong church people gives them that space where they can say you know hmm. I really have always had questions about this or, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's a safe, non-judgmental yeah. environment.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. What, uh, so some of the fruit, you know, it sounds like Christians sort of learning to grapple with questions that they've had about faith. Um, it sounds like yeah. some new people have been introduced to faith. What else would you say is the fruit uh, of like, what's the fruit been like of offering yeah. Alpha at okay. Christchurch over all these years?
2: Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the direct impact and then Beth can talk more about some of the cultural impact. Uh, okay. You know, it's been more indirect but really very significant. Um, the direct impact has been overwhelming. I mean, hmm. over the years, Beth and I were talking about this yesterday. We, we, we can't even quantify the number of people but it's, it's, it's in the hundreds and hundreds of people if not more that not only have attended, but uh, whose lives have been pretty dramatically impacted
3: wow. uh,
2: from Alpha. And hmm. and that would include people coming to faith for the first time, um, okay. but it also would include people kind of, you know, uh, as the scripture says, people who've been kind of shipwrecked in their faith, yeah. who have yeah. kind of come back and and found their way, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's been, there's been a lot of variations of the impact, but significant impact in, in hundreds of people's lives. Wow. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. They really have, you know, and on every alpha that we run, um, there's an impact and there are people Mm -hmm. who, maybe even come in because they get dragged in by their spouse or their girlfriend or whatever, or boyfriend, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and they, they think they've got it, you know, they kind of think yeah. they're on the faith bus, you know, if you will. And, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. and for the first few weeks, they might even just sort of, you know, talk about things and, sure, I know who Jesus is, who is Jesus, why did Jesus die, how can I have faith, maybe kind of uh, bluff their way through that and then we get to uh, a night about prayer or a night about the Bible. And then folks say, you know, if I pray. I just always, I just always thank God for what I've got. It's like, that is mm. great. Have you ever thought yeah. about asking him or having a conversation? Mm. And that's yeah. completely yeah. foreign. Or we talk about the next night, um, we talk about the Bible. Why and how would I read the Bible? Mm. And suddenly everyone's looking at the floor. And, uh, <laughs> cause people say, well, I've never read the Bible. Or I tried once when I was a teenager and it didn't go well and I haven't. And they're 50 or 60 years old, some of them. And so it's that cultural impact of of giving people a place to say, I don't really know how to do the things that people talk about are part of. But I think the biggest impact, I think, is about invitation. Now we see because we're always running Alpha, we run three Alpha courses a year. Mm -hmm. There's always a chance for someone to invite someone. Usually it's folks who've just been on an Alpha and their lives have been changed or someone in their groups, or lives have been changed.
3: Hmm.
0: Um, I think about this friend of mine, uh, Josh, and he's a trainer, a coach. And, you know, he invited one other guy from the guys that he coaches to come on Alpha and it completely, completely changed his life. Uh, wow. He had done some church, but not much in his life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came, and he just was so fascinated by what he's learning week by week. And then in the middle of Alpha, there's a weekend away where we talk about the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And then, like, where do I go with the rest of my life after this? And this, uh, the impact it had on Josh's friend was just complete and immediate. And to the right. point that a week later, he was coming to me saying, I want to do what you do. Can you teach me how to run Alpha? Can you teach me how to you know, <laughs> wow. talk about Jesus? Wow. And, and since then, they've invited almost everybody else that they train for triathlons with. I mean, really? we just have people wow. on every single Alpha that we yeah. run that are mm-hmm. you know friends that they bike with or they swim with and they, wow. uh, they get to talking about faith and they invite and that kind of culture of, we, we all do actually know folks who've got questions. Um mm-hmm. but ha- what kind of life change in us does it take in order to extend an yeah. invitation
3: yeah
1: yeah that's that is fascinating so it's like I'm hearing a lot of um there's these all these things going on inside of people, maybe they every once in a while they think maybe I should go back to church or maybe you know like maybe maybe there's something to this, but it it's or you know people in church who are have these questions have these doubts, but they don't they don't quite have enough sort of It takes a lot of gumption to like email the pastor, right? And say, hey, I've got questions about hell or, you know, I've got questions. You know, like it it takes a lot of that. And so I almost uh, hear you describing Alpha as this structured environment where it's normal to ask those kinds of questions it's normal to address those things and in a, in a way you're sort of normalizing the fact that a lot of people don't know what they're doing and they, they don't know how to pray and they've you know they, they don't know how to read the Bible and they don't they don't really know how to take their faith personally seriously and mm-hmm. Alpha provides a structured way to say
2: hey come and learn
1: come mm-hmm. and learn how to do this you'll be with people who you know they probably have the same questions as you yeah. kind of normalizes that experience for people
2: and even Absolutely. just you know like Bigger picture, you know, thinking culturally, you know, where where in our culture can you can you go and have a safe place to ask questions and have conversations, right? You know, yeah, not yeah, not, a respectful not many places. Yeah, yeah, not many places, yeah, yeah. you know, so Twitter. Twitter's not that place. <laughs> so you know, uh, just yeah. creating a place where people can have honest, respectful conversations and and even disagree. Yeah. But right. learn how to do that, you yeah. know, um, yeah. in a way that's not harmful, hurtful. Yeah, yeah.
1: How uh, how has the pandemic affected your ability to offer Alpha? Did it and did it, did it affect how people responded? Did you take things online or you know, what, what, how has that happened for you? It didn't impact
2: was- us at all. The pandemic. Oh really? It
1: didn't yeah. come. It didn't come no. to the Kansas City area. No, that's where we all should have gone. Yeah, oh, that's where man, I should have been the that last was two true. years.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. just yeah. keep saying it, Patrick.
0: Maybe we'll make it true. in yeah.
3: the future at least. Yeah, uh,
0: we were right in the middle of an alpha when the when everything shut down in March of 2020, yeah. and so we moved that course online, and that worked okay, okay.
3: because yeah. people
0: had already established relationships. But I was mm-hmm. not at all sure that moving a new course, a new alpha online, would work. And it yeah. did. So, and we yeah. ended up running three online alphas. Um, okay. And it was amazing. You know, like the summer oh. of 2019, a friend of mine said, I think we should try running alpha online. And I just almost immediately shut him down saying, that is, and it, that's never going to work. Alpha is so much about the hospitality. <laughs> it's about yeah. the conversations, about just being near people. And then suddenly we were forced to do it. And so we ran these hmm. three online alphas. And what we found was there are folks uh, that we know who'd been on Alpha before, who had friends who lived out of town, or family who lived out of town, that they'd always wanted to come on yeah. Alpha, but they didn't hmm. know enough about where Alpha was happening where their friend lived, so they invited him to do an online course. So, we had folks on from the East Coast, from the West Coast, from wow. Texas, from all over. We had a woman um, in Canada join us. There was a guy in our oh. church who kept inviting his friends from Uganda, they, couldn't quite make the time change thing happen <laughs> yeah. doing Alpha at 3 a.m. or whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah. so we had folks from all over. Yeah. And I thought, well, how is this going to work? These people have never even seen each other before they're on Zoom. And one of the things that happened was people shared more deeply sooner online mm. than they would have in person.
3: Mm.
0: And hmm. the best that we could come up with was... People were joining off online from their favorite chair in their living room, maybe with their favorite beverage in hand. They were completely safe. They could mm-hmm. hit leave meeting you know whenever they wanted to if things got weird, and so they felt safe to just share yeah. what you know what they were going through. plus we were all in a pandemic, and you know everybody had questions then, so you know we didn't mm-hmm. need to normalize asking questions very much because we were all asking questions, but it was mm-hmm. amazingly successful. Mm. Um, and then, as people got really tired of Zoom, uh, the need <laughs> and the want for um, Alpha Online kind of, we just saw it dwindle. Um, so now we're back to doing in-person. Okay. I know Nikki Gumbel, you know, who founded Alpha, says they'll never not run Alpha Online because they just saw such a huge impact. Um, yeah. And I could see us running it probably every year to 18 months just to sort mm-hmm. of let people mm-hmm. invite those folks who are outside of the Kansas City area join. Okay. Um yeah. yeah, it was, a, I was really surprised.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that tracks a little bit with my observations and my conversations with, you know, pastors, you know, who started offering their services online. Um, that, you know, I mean, we did a Zoom call basically for our worship service. Our church is small mm-hmm. enough that we could just, you know, fit. It's like less than 100 Zoom screens and you just fit them all in, inside of a Zoom call and you pray the liturgy together. and um and I, I I noticed the same kinds of things where it was like oh this actually works better than I anticipated it would, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but by the same token it's you know we're, we're, and it allowed for we have people who still join us from they they can't sort of find a church that that they want to go to where they live and so they still join us online even though we've gone we've gone to more of a traditional kind of a live stream thing now that we're back in person,
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: um, but it has fostered those sort of. Uh, 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 Cross geographical connections mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. a in a unique way, um, but yes, eventually it was like okay, we need to we need to get back to in person meetings as asap because uh, you know Zoom is Zoom is nice, but this is kind of killing us at the same time. Mm-hmm.
3: So, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I was shocked one Sunday I saw uh, some folks show up in person to our Sunday services, and I thought I think I know them, but how do I know them? Turns out yeah. they were online Alpha guests. Oh, who were you know in the Kansas City area, but they were even doing online because we all were, and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I was I was shocked. They you know I'd only yeah. ever seen their faces in a box, and here they were walking yeah. to church. And so they've been coming yeah. and bring their nephews and get involved in BPS, and
3: yeah. it
0: was it was really cool to see.
1: Yeah, that is cool. It's almost like a safer. It's like a, I don't know. It feels easier to visit a church online. Than it does to visit in person, right? And so it's almost become for us. Like I I think we'll probably continue to offer like a live stream of our service, both for the people who connected with us from a long ways away, but also like it's it's almost an easy like front door. Like you can get a good feel for what the service is like, what people are like, what this church sort of feels like just by watching, you know, watching a video of of the church service. And so yeah, absolutely, we're finding that
2: same thing yeah. would be true people yeah. tell us yeah we watched your live stream before we before we visited yeah. you know it's like university. the first
1: yeah. yeah anyway that's fascinating um, I, I wondered if, uh, if I could ask you about this um, question you know Bishop Todd's question to us is how are you um, sort of uh, equipping people to engage in conversations about faith and I wondered about alpha I know it's an official program there's a curriculum and people invite others into that sort of environment in that curriculum. Mm -hmm. But do you think that alpha also has the effect of training them to have conversations about faith outside of just the invitation into alpha and inside of alpha? Like are, are people also learning to have faith conversations in their everyday lives? Like is, uh, do you think alpha is training them to do that? Are there other ways that you're equipping people to do that? I wondered about that.
2: Um, I definitely think alpha helps to, uh, equip people to have, you know, spiritual conversations, faith conversations um, outside of Alpha itself uh, for a variety of reasons. One, you know, you're just more likely to talk about something that you feel that you're confident that you Hmm. at least know a little bit about what you're talking about. Um, And so as you were talking about the catechesis element of, of the course, you know, it helps people just be more grounded in what they believe and why they believe it. So that gives them more confidence. I think Alpha also helps to teach people how to have respectful conversations, how to listen, uh, how how to really be respectful of people who are investigating faith. They have not crossed that line. And rather Mm -hmm. than kind of coming at it at them more aggressively and judgmentally, uh, to learn how to be more respectful and mm. uh, ask questions and, and primarily listen, as yeah. you know. Um, and then I think also just, you know, we talked about the hundreds of people's lives who've been really transformed. You know, a lot of evangelism happens. We read this in Acts. It happens mm-hmm. out of personal transformation. When your life mm. has been transformed that gives you a platform to yeah. talk about faith in a personal way, as opposed to just a uh, an intellectual yeah. heady sort of way that tends to intimidate a lot of uh, parishioners. But everybody can talk about how Jesus has impacted their life. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: right. You know, the, Some of the Barna research recently says that 57% of people want to talk to someone who won't force a conclusion. And that's one of the things we talk about a lot on Alpha is we are inviting conversation. There's great teaching that happens at the beginning, like there's dinner, then there's teaching, and then there's small groups, and we don't teach in the small groups. That's really a place for people to say what they think. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, 42% of people would be more interested in Christianity if Christians were less judgmental about their beliefs and so that idea of really listening even when someone's saying something that's completely unorthodox or wackadoodle or whatever um Mm -hmm. because we believe that the holy spirit is actually working and that that kind of training for everybody who comes through alpha uh extends out into your life then you don't have Mm -hmm. to feel like you have to um argue with someone because yeah I don't know many people who got argued into the faith, but you can really listen yeah. and understand where that person's coming from, and that
3: yeah, that kind uh, of
0: fruit
2: keeps going. Yeah, yeah, as Beth can tell you, it was a real learning curve for me because I'm a teacher by nature, and I and so mm-hmm. when someone asks a question, I want to just I want to answer it. But yeah. you know, we see people who come on Alpha and they're lifelong Christians and very knowledgeable, and it's a it's a hard transition. And mm-hmm. learning to kind of step back and say, no, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna allow this person to process and not just try mm-hmm. to fix it and answer the question because then they don't, they don't really discover faith. They, they, yeah. you know, and to really come to faith from a place of not having faith, you, you need to process. Um, yeah. And for some people, that's a fairly quick process. And for others, it takes a long time. So you just yeah. have to be patient, and you have to trust mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. And I think Alpha reinforces those values, so that that yeah. can then translate into how you talk to the person at work, or hmm. in your family, or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that um, yeah. So there's almost a uh, train for especially for people who are teachers or who know a lot of theology or have been Christians a long time. There is this kind of training uh, out of. Um, the assumption that when someone asks a question, what they're looking for is a theologically correct answer. Um, And instead being learning to be curious about why that question is important to them. Um, You know, what, what's, what's going on in their life and trusting the Holy spirit to be at work in my curiosity and in our conversation, not just to be at work in the correct answers being, you know, given.
2: Yeah. Right. It's like, um, you know, Jamie Smith, uh, you know, we're not brains on a stick right we're we're, yeah. e- we're emotive creatures we're creatures of desire and yeah right. a lot of times those questions are not head questions they're heart questions they're questions right. of desire and so just yeah. trying to answer it logically or intellectually it's not really helpful yeah
3: yeah right. yeah
1: it's really good um now uh, i i've heard you guys are called a hub church for alpha mm-hmm. um what is there a, uh, what does that mean um, to be a hub church?
0: It means we're a resource. So we're a resource okay. for uh, churches in Kansas City area or a okay. surrounding. We're going to have a taste of Alpha in a, a couple of weeks. We're just going to invite pastors okay. to come and have a, um but also just to coach <clears throat> mm-hmm. wherever you are in the country, there is probably a hub church or Alpha coaches who can um, help a church who's just getting started or maybe needs a little revamping of their Alpha uh, to kind mm-hmm. of get it revitalized. Um, okay. So, yeah.
1: Okay, so not just offering it to your people, but you're also training other churches to offer it to their people and kind of trying to, yeah, Absolutely. equip and train. The over the years,
2: I think it's safe to say that over the years we've trained, Beth, what, hundreds of churches? Hundreds wow. of churches, yeah. Yeah, wow. I, think, wow. I think. That's great. Not,
1: well,
2: not so only here about in the city, but about, around the Midwest, you know. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's about giving it away, you know. That that's yeah, been the model yeah. for Alpha. That it's really a way to equip, not to sort of be a separate thing, but to be a way of yeah. equipping churches or anyone who wants to run an Alpha uh, yeah. to be able to do that and to do it with as little cost as possible. So we just
3: yeah. everything
0: we've learned from HTB, we uh-huh. try to give away uh, so right. that other churches can do it because you Should know they- we can reach we can reach the people that we know and the people that our people know. But there are yeah. pockets of Kansas City and pockets of, you know, everywhere that yeah. we don't have an inroad into. And so I always right. want to be training other churches who are different yeah. from us so that we can reach folks who God wants to reach. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it does seem to flow through relational connections right. here. People are inviting their, you know, coachees or their, you know, trainees or their employees or their friends or their, you know, yeah. family members or their neighbors. They're, they're inviting people they know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, into this. So the more people know about it, the more people can be invited. Yeah. Um, what would you say then, I mean, maybe to practically to kind of wrap this up, what would you say to a listener, maybe a leader who's been thinking about running alpha um, or they hear about, they're just listening to this conversation. And they're like, I wonder if that could be something that would be good for my church. What What are some first steps that you'd recommend uh, for those leaders to explore whether this would be a good fit for their church or for their small group or for their, you know, even their just relational network.
2: Mm-hmm. I would say first you need to start at I think the highest level, which for mm-hmm. me is Jesus's words. Mm-hmm. You know, He tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, to preach the gospel mm-hmm. to all creation. Um, so, so we are we are commanded by Jesus to do this work, and so mm-hmm. my question would be for every church leader is. How are you doing that? Yeah, and not just in a, you know, in a, in a more systematic way. How are yeah. you doing that? How are you reinforcing that value in your church? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you conclude that you really don't have a plan, um, you don't have a way of doing that, a systematic way of doing that, then, then I would encourage you to check out Alpha, um, yeah. because honestly. I don't know of too many things that people do that are more effective hmm. than alpha hmm. kind of the mm-hmm. relational um, approach the non-judgmental approach I yeah. think every church would benefit from learning those values to be honest some churches are not ready to learn those values they don't they don't want to learn those values but yeah. um, any church that really, is sincere about wanting to reach unchurched people, not not people who are just already thoroughly churched, but unchurched people in this culture, I think Alpha would be a great fit. And either one of us, Beth, or I would love to talk with them and help them kind of sort through some of the questions. Okay.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, You know, I think if you have... desire to see people come to faith who would never walk through your doors on Sunday morning. I think that's the reason to do Alpha. I think about um, a woman I met on Alpha. She was working at Starbucks. Her daughter was going through a really hard time, and so she was open to an invitation to Alpha because she thought, well, my daughter really needs this. And so they came the first night, they heard the talk, who is Jesus? And she walked away going, I didn't want to hear the word Jesus, I just wanted to come meet some nice people and she was mad and you know, Jesus, 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 she didn't want to hear that. But she came back the next week because she'd met some really nice people and the food was good. And so, she was willing to come back one more week and she came back and she came back and she still was not sure that Jesus was what she needed but she was interested in the community. Then she came on the, the weekend where we talk about the Holy Spirit and she was just bowled over. All the dots connected. She said, mm. "This is the best part. Why don't you start with the Holy Spirit? Why do you <laughs> Why do you wait till halfway through? That's
1: stringing me along."
0: <laughs> and she, her everything about her life changes—from her finances to her job to. So she changed her job so she could come to church on Sunday mornings, mm. and then she heard about a mission trip. And here is this person who really hadn't been to church since she was a child, decided mm. to go on a mission trip, and now. Mm. Uh, Seven years later, she, for the last couple of years, has been spending, trying to spend three to six months every year at um, Susie McCall's Lamb Institute in Honduras, right. Uh, right. being a part-time missionary. And that was someone oh. who was just open oh. to an invitation, but not about Jesus. And now right. Jesus right. has just completely changed her life. So, those kind of stories, you know, just give me a bigger picture of God. They make me more excited about what He can do and... Uh, that's
1: the kind of thing I want to see other churches get to see too. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, we'll, we're going to end our time together with two questions we're asking everybody on the C4SO podcast. So uh, these are, these are kind of rapid fire, uh, quick answer, top of mind, whatever comes to you, the top of your mind uh, as you listen to this. So uh, the first question is this, what is a book, movie or TV show that you recently enjoyed, enjoyed or appreciated? Any one of those things, yeah.
2: I'm in the middle of Undaunted Courage. It's a book about Lewis and Clark. I I
1: read that a a while back. I really loved it. It's fascinating, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. very good. How about you,
0: Beth? I'm watching Picard and wishing that they would just drop all the episodes at once, but uh, so good. It's just dark. Is that a TV show? So, is it a TV show? It is, uh, about Jean-Luc Picard uh, from the Star Trek. And so, it's sort of looking at him near the end of his life. So, he's old and craggy and it's (laughs) fascinating. Yeah.
1: Okay. Very good. Uh, Thank you. Second question is this. How can we pray for you?
2: Pray for our our Alpha Course. We have an Alpha Course going on right now.
1: Going on right now? Very good.
0: We do, we'll be going away for the weekend in about 10 days, and uh, we're praying for every guest to decide to come and just experience God and community and the Holy Spirit and what he has for them. So, yeah, prayers for that would be great.
1: Okay, we'll do it. Um, Well, I appreciate you joining us and sharing your experience and wisdom with us, Beth and Patrick. Um, Listeners, we're going to be doing more of these kinds of podcasts in the future with other leaders in C4SO offering reflections on each of the questions that Bishop Todd has asked for us to consider this year. So watch for those over the coming months. Um, I wonder if we could end with a blessing. Patrick, would you pray a blessing over our diocese as it regards uh, conversations about faith?
2: Sure. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we recognize that it's your gift to us. We're grateful Lord, we do pray that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit as people and church communities uh, to share the good news of Jesus. It is indeed good news and um, give us the courage and the power and um, the inroads, Lord, to share the good news with people who desperately need to hear it. Lord, we um we love you and we want to uh, have that love overflow through us to others so that they can experience uh, what life is like in your kingdom. Thank you for this time and all that you do for us. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks again for joining us. It's good to see you guys. Good to be with you.
2: Thanks, Ben. Good to be with you, Ben.
0: listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.